0: Okay, there we go then. Let's just have a prayer and see where the Lord takes us because I've just got a a lot of little things rolling around in my mind this morning. Father, thank you that it's not over till it's over. And actually you're saying this isn't the end, this is the beginning. Uh, But Father, you've started something um, here uh, that is... is, uh, just a springboard for where you're going and the sky is literally is the limit so father would you you just take my tongue and take me where you want to go because it's imperative that people get the message you want them to get not the message i want to (laughs) give thank you lord (laughs) just said you are the message this is what happens you become the message Uh, so father thank you lead us guide us give us hearts to hear father Hearts to understand, and to see, Father, that you are actually saying, coming ready or not, yeah. to the Your Church, not playing hide and seek yeah. with her yeah. any longer. So I'll just take the things as they come into my hands. Some years ago, and and the Lord spoke to me while the music was going. Um,
1: yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's just working. Yeah. Um, The Grand Cook came to the River Centre on the 10th of July, 2004, four years ago. And this is what part of what he said, because I wasn't there. And I say this to you this morning. I'm here to announce that God is measuring you for a blessing. He's measuring you for an ongoing move of the Spirit. Listen to the words very carefully. He's looking around the world for places to stand his feet. He's looking for thin places and he's looking for people right now who can rise up and occupy a place in the heavenlies. And whatever they see and experience in that place, they can release here on earth. When the opportunity of a lifetime comes, we must make sure that we act within the lifetime of that opportunity. Your opportunity has a lifetime. In other words, there's your pocket of lifetime of the opportunity. You've got to act between there and there. I believe God is here to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm declaring there's a season for us here in this church. The opportunity of a lifetime is upon us now. Each move of God has a season to respond and a time allowed for us to get in on what God is doing and not miss it. You are responsible for your own spirituality, no one else. God is the architect of what he's planning in you but you have to give him planning permission. What if God wants to give you an adventure so huge it will dwarf everything else you've ever done in your life? What if that is what he's holding out to you right now? What if he's holding out the dream of a company of people so in tune with heaven that anything could happen and probably will. Some of you have settled for a partial involvement. It's time to move in a deeper flow of the Spirit. We must learn to move with the Now Word of God, understand about times and seasons, and the importance of obedience and alignment. There is an anointing in this place for a new level of surrender and for you to go from good to great in your walk with God. Anybody who wishes can turn that into a prayer. Years ago, those guys called Gary and Christine that some of you know, left with us their regular, their rule of love. And it goes like this, and it's headed up, others may, you cannot. Mm -hmm. What God is saying to me this morning is that you guys that lined up behind me yesterday, he's taken you at your word, but now he's saying, this is the first step. So at any step along the way, you may say, I can't cope with that. That's okay. Because remember Gideon. God's principle is always levelling it down so that he is, the, is supreme and he's the only one that does anything. It ain't about numbers. And it's not about personalities. It's about him. So if you can live your life through this one, then you might be looking at a destiny of a warrior queen. If, and he has, as Joyce has written on her bit, God has called you to be really like Jesus, he will draw you into a life of crucifixion and humility, and put upon you such demands of obedience that you will not be able to follow other people or measure yourself by other Christians and in many ways he will seem to let other people do things which he will not let you do. Other Christians and ministers who seem very religious and useful may push themselves, pull wires and work schemes to carry out their plans, but you cannot do it. And if you attempt it you will meet with such failure and rebuke from the Lord as to make you sorely penitent. Others may boast themselves of their work, of their successes, of their writings, but the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do any such thing and if you begin it he will lead you into some deep mortification that will make you despise yourself and all your good works. Others may be allowed to succeed in making money or may have a legacy left to them but it's likely that God will keep you poor because he wants you to have something far better than gold namely a helpless dependence upon him that he may have the privilege of supplying your needs day by day out of an unseen treasury. The Lord may let others be honored and put forward and keep you hidden in obscurity because he wants to produce some choice fragrant fruit for his coming glory which can only be produced in the shade. He may let others be great but keep you small. He may let others do a work for him and get the credit for it but he will make you work and toil on without knowing how much you're doing and then to make your work still more precious he may let others get the credit for the work you've done and thus make your reward ten times greater when Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit will put a strict watch over you with a jealous love and will rebuke you for little words and feelings For wasting your time which other Christians never feel distressed over. (laughs) So make up your mind that God is an infinite sovereign and he has a right to do as he pleases with his own. He may not explain to you a thousand things which puzzle your reason in his dealings with you. But if you absolutely sell yourself to be his love slave he will wrap you up in a jealous love and bestow upon you many blessings which only come to those who are in the inner circle. Had you ever realized that Jesus only had twelve people Mm. and one of those betrayed Betrayed him? him. Mm. He had two or three hundred disciples following him round all the time. Many turned back when he said hard words. Mm. Didn't want that when it starts to cut the flesh. But those who are in the inner circle, if you want to hear the heartbeat of God, if you want to lay with your head to his chest so you hear that heartbeat all the time, like anything else, there's a cost. Mm. It's just everything. It's everything this world holds as being important. Mm. This will turn your value system upside down. But that's okay. Because you only sign up for this if you want to. He's not forcing you into it. But it's like, what he was saying to me this morning is, what, you, what I did yesterday, how I pressed you yesterday, and we listened to Graham Cook yesterday, that was just the start. Because my message is not going to get any easier. But the thing is, I've walked it. I can't say to you anything I haven't walked. I mean, many people know the fact that when... I had the invitation to my son's wedding. I didn't know whether I could go or not, and I don't mean the second one because I never went to that wasn't invited, and that didn't bother me. That's fine. That's how they wanted to do it. No no bother um, But when it came, I knew I couldn't just automatically think I'm going. Um, I've been called down here into the service of the i I'm in, I'm in the army. I cannot just say yes, I learned that early on kept saying yes at the fellowship and having to backtrack because God said no you're not going to do it all very worthwhile things can you do this can you wait on that can you see this? yeah 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 get home and you're not doing that I have to go back so I've got the name of not keeping my word and when I told them God said I couldn't they poo-pooed it oh,
1: yeah.
0: you're going to get poo-poo from the Christians alright so get yourself into that because they will say you're off the wall yeah so Settle it forever then that you are to deal directly with the Holy Spirit and he must have the right to tie your tongue or chain your hand or close your eyes in ways that he does not seem to use with others. Now when you are so possessed with the Living God that you are in your secret heart pleased and delighted over this peculiar, personal, private, jealous guardianship and management of the Holy Spirit over your life you will have found the vestibule of heaven but you get to choose it's okay it's the broad path and the narrow path and it keeps coming up there's, there's, there's one way where it's just you flat on your face crawling along and there's only one voice and that's the Holy Spirit so the next thing is um That one, Author Unknown. This one, um, I I think it's Amy Carmichael, this Dying to Self, but I'm not sure. Here comes the second little row of things that you need to uh, set yourself up for. It's called Dying to Self. When you are forgotten or neglected, or purposely set at naught, and you don't sting and hurt with the insight or the oversight, but your heart's happy being counted worthy to suffer for Christ, that is dying to self. When your good is evil spoken of, when your wishes are crossed, your advice disregarded, which it will be, Christians will not listen to you, your opinions ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise in your heart, or even defend yourself, but take it all in your pa- impatient, loving silence, that is dying to self, and we don't take it inside and see the it. That's the next step. I began to look at the book this morning, The Mind of Christ, and the Lord said, not quite yet. When you lovingly and patiently bear any disorder, any irregularity, any impunctuality or annoyance, when you stand face to face with waste, folly, extravagance, spiritual insensibility, and endure it as Jesus endured, that is dying to sell. When you're content with any food, any offering, any climate, any society, any raiment, any interruption by the will of God, that is dying to self. When you never care to refer to yourself in conversation or record your own good works or itch after commendations, when you can truly love to be unknown, that is dying to self. When you can see your brother prosper and have his needs met and can honestly rejoice with him in spirit and feel no envy nor question God while your own needs are far greater and you're in desperate circumstances, that is dying to sell. When you can receive correction and reproof from one of less stature than yourself and can humbly commit inwardly as well as outwardly, submit, sorry, finding no rebellion or resentment rising in your heart. That is dying to self. Are you dead yet? In these last days the Spirit will bring us to the cross. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Remember that the cross is something you pass through and come out the other side. Uh, And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. This morning I was singing in the bath. I've decided to follow Jesus. Does anybody remember that? A old little ditty so i'm just throwing out a few things for you to think about and the other thing that i searched for this morning and finally found um was is this in, i would recommend this book A W Tozer's like Graham Cook's stuff anything of A W Tozer this one is the pursuit of god um and you can you just you can't rush reading books like he was a prophet the same as as, uh, Graham chapters are very short Um, Um, I think I've got to read the whole thing because it's obviously going to speak to someone this one's headed up the blessedness of possessing nothing and somewhere I read that it was when God had asked him to hand over his only daughter or she became very sick something like that and he wrote this. Here we are. Much of the strong meat in the pursuit of God came out of the crucible of Tozer's own personal experience. The chapter entitled The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing reflected his desperate struggle to turn his only daughter over to God. The battle was intense and devastating. But when full surrender came a new and glorious release became his, he'd learned to know God in the school of practical experience. As I've said to you many of these great men who were used greatly by God have come to that crucible experience Bob Mumford nearly lost his son when he was four years old having been knocked over by a car Uh, Graham has had the things that he's gone through he would not be in the position with God without the suffering no cross no crown the suffering is a part of it we can't run away from it, There's no, that we have been sold such a crossless Christianity that what God is doing now uh, is, 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 is like making our flesh quiver because we've never heard the true gospel. We just have never heard it because the gospel is glorious. It's an exchanged life. It's not patching up the one you've got and uh, enjoying this life and then you've got heaven as a benefit Heaven is not where we're headed. (laughs) We're headed for reigning and ruling first on the renewed earth. We're not going to sit on a cloud and pluck our harps for eternity. We're training for reigning. But we never hear that taught or preached anywhere. So all we do is get ministered to our own needs and make us more and more self-centered. And more and more difficult to get out of our comfort zones. If ever we get persecution in this country, the church is not ready for it. People say, oh, oh, won't be able to have a Bible, this and that. So, you're the Bible? What are you worried about? I'm not going around spouting the Bible to people. I can preach the gospel without mentioning the name of Jesus, and they'll want to know what I've got. Where are we? So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before, the, if God ever releases me, uh, somebody, somebody said to me once, <laughs> several years ago, um, oh, I wish you'd come and, and speak at my church. I said, sweetheart, I'd empty it. And, and that was a few years ago, and there was nothing like the fire in my belly that there's in it at the minute. And <laughs> it won't go down. Before the Lord God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. In the Genesis account of creation, these are called simply things. They were made for man's use, but they were meant always to be external to the man and subservient to him. In the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God, without a thousand gifts which God had showered on him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts for God is crowned there no longer. But there in the moral dusk Stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight amongst themselves for first place on the throne. This is not a mere metaphor, but an accurate analysis of our real spiritual trouble. There is within the human heart a tough, fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess, always to possess. Any if you've come on a Wednesday, you know that we're talking about the Eros love here. It covets things with a deep and fierce passion. The pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal use is significant. They express the real nature of the old Adamic man better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. They are verbal symptoms of our deep disease. The roots of our heart have grown down into things and we dare not pull up one little rootlet lest we die things have become necessary to us, a development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. I've written over the top of this one, self-preservation in a nutshell. Our Lord referred to this tyranny of things when he said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me For whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Breaking this truth into fragments for our better understanding, it was seen that there is within each of us an enemy which we tolerate at our peril. Jesus called it life and self, or as we would say, the self-life. Its chief characteristic is its possessiveness. The words gain and profit suggest this. To allow this enemy to live is, in the end, to lose everything. To repudiate it and give up all for Christ's sake is to lose nothing at last, but to preserve everything unto eternal life. The way to a deeper knowledge of God is through the lonely valleys of soul poverty and abnegation of all things. The blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every external thing, and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing." A good Bible study sometime, is to look at God's, where he talks in Corinthians and uh, others, about the kingdom of God, and about what prohibits you from inheriting that. Such will not inherit. They're not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers who indulge in things, and such will not inherit the kingdom. Doesn't mean they've lost their salvation. It means that everything that God wants to bring us into in this life and the next, you ain't gonna get. Because you've not you've disqualified yourself from kingdom living. So if you took as your regular, your rule of life, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be given to you, which is the one that I forgot that I'd lived with for years. Pushing everything through that. Seeking first and only God's rule and reign in my heart. That's what it means. So it's displaced by nothing. If you had that regulo, or regular, regulo's on a gas oven, and it, it would press you into kingdom living. Narrow is the way to get into the kingdom. Anyway, here we are. So the blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every external thing and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing. They haven't gone into a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery. These are the poor in spirit. They've reached an inward state paralleling the outward circumstances of the common beggar in the streets of Jerusalem. That's what the word poor, as Christ used it, actually means. These blessed poor are no longer slaves to the tyranny of things. They've broken the yoke of the oppressor. And this they have done, by not, fight, not by fighting, but by surrendering. Though free from all sense of possessing, they yet possess all things. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Zin here. I don't think I've finished saying to you that when I got the invitation, I don't know if I did or not, for Stephen's wedding, I I had to pray about it and ask if I could go. And the Lord didn't answer right away and I was, we were living in the flat at the time and I was between the lounge and the kitchen, there was one long corridor, and just by my bedroom he said these words to me, because thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, Isaac. put it on the altar and walked away, Mm. had the knife raised over him, so I could go. If it sounds severe, God will cut out of your heart, if you really mean business with him, everything that isn't him. He intends to completely be enthroned in your heart so that he can live his life through us. Let me exhort you to take this seriously. It's not to be understood as mere Bible teaching, to be stored away in the mind, along with an inert mass of other doctrines. I love the way this man speaks. He reminds me of Graham. Mm -hmm. An inert mass Mm -hmm. of, in other words, stuff in your mind. It's a marker along the road to greener pastures, a path chiselled against the steep sides of the Mount of God, We dare not try to bypass it if we would follow on in this holy pursuit. We must ascend a step at a time. If we refuse one step, we bring our progress to an end. As is frequently true, this New Testament principle of spiritual life finds its best illustration in the Old Testament. And then he goes on to talk about Abraham and Isaac. And we have a dramatic picture of the surrendered life. Remember we all sang so gleefully yesterday, I surrender all, well here it comes. (laughs) We do not know what that means. I think it's F.B. Mayer. You want to read some of these old writers. I really would urge you not to go for the froth and bubble that is on the market now. You can read on the back what it's about, and then they spend the next 300 pages saying the same thing. They get a truth, but they do not mine it. You get, it's in print so fast, there's no thought, no nothing. It does not distill through them like, like putting an old brandy down, you know. It doesn't have that time to mature. It's brought out, and it's on the air, and what's the next one? Us mm. charismatics, or whatever you call yourself, we're in for the next fix, the next... Is it new? Constantly here, is it new? no no it's not it doesn't need to be new here's where the truth mm. is where these guys they lived it and then they wrote it and every sentence sticks like a pin in your mind mm. you know we're we, we are brought up on pap we really are So anyway strong feeling about that that and the music industry I've got a real strong feeling about the Christian music industry it's just out there just exactly the same as the worldly music, promoting themselves, making the same shapes with their bodies as the as the, as, you know, it's being portrayed as glam. I mean, get off it. You don't see A. W. Tozer's photograph on anything. He's not promoting himself; he's promoting Jesus. <laughs> I feel the Lord is saying I want you to say it Graham spoke about obscurity Mm -hmm. that is what we've always been in here someone said once you're buried out there in the six and no one knows about you but God knows you're there Mm -hmm. we build in obscurity I don't want anything up front I build when you're building it's hot it's sweaty you're on your knees you're chiseling away in the heat of the day you're building and I want goldfish bowls. Like Graham, I related to that. I thought there's a part of me that is very introvert too, that God has developed because 'cause I'm an extrovert by natural. I'm a complete opposite if it frightens of him throughout life at me. Mustn't say that. Um But obscurity that's the only place you can build. They built they they chiseled the stones for the temple in the quarry and they polished them there. So that when they took them up to, to put them into the place in the temple, they just slid into place. And there was the temple. We're like those living stones. We've got to be chiseled when it's hot and sweaty in the valley in the heat of the day. So, surrender. Abraham was old when Isaac was born. Old enough indeed to have been his grandfather and the child became at once the delight and idol of his heart. From the moment he first stooped to take the tiny form awkwardly in his arms, he was an eager love slave of his son. God went out of his way to comment on the strength of this affection, and it's not hard to understand. The baby represented everything sacred to the father's heart, the promises of God, the covenants, the hopes of the years, and the long messianic dream. As he watched him grow from babyhood to young manhood, the heart of the old man was knit closer and closer with the life of his son, till at last the relationship bordered on the perilous. It was then that God stepped in to save both father and son from the consequences of uncleansed (coughs) love. Take now thy son, God said to Abraham, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering on the one of the mountains of which I tell thee. The sacred writer spares us a close-up at the agony that night on the slopes near Bethsheba, where the aged man had it out with his God. But respectful imagination may view in awe the bent form wrestling convulsively alone under the stars. Possibly not again until one greater than Abraham wrestled in the garden of Gethsemane did such mortal pain visit a human soul. If only the man himself might have been allowed to die, that would have been a thousand times easier for he was old now, and to die would have been no great ordeal for one who had walked so long with God. Besides, it would have been a last sweet pleasure to let his dimming vision rest on the figure of his stalwart son who would live to carry on the Abrahamic line and fulfil in himself the promises of God made long before in Ur of the Chaldees. How should he slay the lad? Even if he could get the consent of his wounded and protesting heart, how could he reconcile the act with the promise? In Isaac shall thy seed be called. This was Abraham's trial by far, and he didn't fail in the crucible. While the stars still shone like sharp white points above the tent where the sleeping Isaac lay, and long before the grey dawn had begun to lighten in the east, the old saint had made up his mind. He would offer his son as God had directed him to do, and then trust God to raise him from the dead. God let the suffering old man go through with it up to the point where he knew there would be no retreat and then forbade him to lay a hand on the boy. To the wandering patriarchy now says in effect, it's all right Abraham, I never intended that you should actually slay the lad. I only wanted to remove him from the temple of your heart that I might reign unchallenged there. I wanted to correct the perversion that existed in your love. The old Eros jobby. Now you may have the boy, sound and well. Take him and go back to your tent. Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. That's exactly what he said to Mm -hmm. me. You see, it's the fear of the Lord that is shown in your response. Mm -hmm. It means you know him, you love him, but you fear him. Then heaven opened and a voice was heard saying to him, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, but because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thine only Son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and the sand which is on the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. If you love me, you'll obey me comes down always to the same thing: love and obedience. How is our our love shown by our obedience? It's not shown by a warm fuzzy. It's shown by doing the most difficult things when he asks us. Last this morning, I was thinking about what Graham said about them in going into the not going into the promised land, and it says in Hebrews, didn't it, that they did not enter because of unbelief. And unbelief will keep us out of the promises of God. It will keep us out of um, living to please God. You please God by believing Him. Mm. He's not angry with you, but He's so pleased when you believe Him. When He asks you to do something that is totally impossible, jump out the window, I'll catch you, um, you know, don't anybody do it. he is so pleased because it is unbelief that will keep us out and cause us to keep going round in the wilderness. They did not enter because of their unbelief. Until Graham opened that up last night, I'd always thought that God was right off with them. and, uh, and Because they all had to die. They had to die out because they would have been a liability to everybody else going into the Promised Land. And and, and that, that's the, the way of it, like the lifeboat. No, you can't come, because you'll be a liability when we get out there. And as soon as we get out of the harbour, you'll be a liability. You'll be thrown up over the side. It sounds like a good idea, but there's qualifications for it. So the old man lifted his head to respond to the voice, and stood there on the mount, strong and pure and grand, a man marked out by the law for special treatment a friend and favorite of the Most High. Now he was a man wholly surrendered, a man utterly obedient, a man who possessed nothing. He concentrated all in the person of his dear son, and God had taken it from him. God could have begun out on the margin of Abraham's life and worked inward to the center. He chose rather to cut quickly to the heart and have it over in one sharp act of separation. In dealing thus he practised an economy of means and time. It hurt cruelly, but it was effective. I've said that Abraham possessed nothing. It was not this poor poor man rich. Everything he had he owned before that he owned before was still his to enjoy sheep, camel, herds and goods of every sort. He also had his wife and his friends, and best of all he had his son Isaac safe by his side. He had everything, but he possessed nothing. There is a spiritual secret. There is the sweet theology of the heart which can be learned only in the school of renunciation. The books on systematic theology overlook this but the wise will understand. After that bitter and blessed experience I think the words my and mine never had the same meaning for Abraham. The sense of possession which they connote was gone from his heart. Things had been cast out forever. They had now become external to the man. Bob Mumford teaches on the same thing. Because he says that you don't have it, it has you until you let go of it. It's actually got you in a grip. And when you let go of that thing, then you're, you're free. And God can give it back. Because the love that you love it with is totally different. There can be no doubt that this possessive clinging to things is one of the most harmful habits in the the life because it is so natural it is rarely recognised for the evil that it is but its outworkings are tragic. We are often hindered from giving up our treasures to the Lord out of fear for their safety. This is especially true when those treasures are loved relatives and friends. But we need have no such fears. Our Lord came not to destroy but to save. Everything is safe which we commit to Him, and nothing is really safe which is not so committed. Our gifts and talents should also be turned over to Him. They should be recognised for what they are. excuse me, God's loan to us. And should never be considered in any sense our own. We have no more right to claim credit for special abilities than for blue eyes or strong muscles. For who maketh thee to differ from another, and what as thou that thou did not receive? That's 1 Corinthians 4, 7. The Christian who is alive enough to know himself even slightly will recognise the symptoms of this possession malady and will grieve to find them in his own heart. If the longing after God is strong enough within him, he'll want to do something about the matter. Now what should he do? First of all, he should put away all defence and make no attempt to excuse himself either in his own eyes or before the Lord. Whoever defends himself will have himself for a defence, but he will have no other. But let him become defenceless before the Lord, and he will have for his defender no less than God himself. Let the inquiring Christian trample underfoot every slippery trick of his deceitful heart and insist on frank and open relations with the lord it's what i call uh deal with me ruthlessly and and correct me severely and that is my prayer i don't want to be allowed to get away with anything be ruthless with me father and correct me severely i want to make progress fast I've, i've only got a limited amount of time and i want to do the thing that he should remember that this is holy business. No careless or casual dealings will suffice. Let him come to God fully determined to be heard. Let him insist that God accept his all and that he take things out of his heart and he himself reign there in power. It may be he will need to become specific to name things and people by their names one by one. This is the bit. If he will become drastic enough, he can shorten the time of his travail from years to minutes. How many of us have been wrestling for years?
1: Mm.
0: And enter into the good land long before his slower brethren who coddle their feelings and insist upon caution in their dealings with God. These things must be experienced before we can really know them. We must in our hearts live through Abraham's harsh and bitter experiences if we would know the blessedness that follows them. The ancient curse will not go out painlessly. The tough old miser within us will not lie down and die in obedience to our command. He must be torn out of our heart like a plant from the soil. He must be extracted in agony and blood like a tooth from a jaw. He must be expelled from our soul by violence as Christ expelled the money changers from the temple. And we shall need to steel ourselves against his piteous begging and to recognise it as a, as springing out of self-pity, one of the most reprehensible sins of the human heart. If we would indeed know God in growing intimacy we must go this way of renunciation. If we are set upon the pursuit of God He will sooner or later bring us to this test. Abraham's testing was at that time not known to him as such, yet if he had taken some other course other than the one he did, the whole course of history in the Old Testament would have been different. God would have found his man, no doubt, but the loss to Abraham would have been tragic beyond the telling. So we will be brought one by one to the testing place, and we may never know when we are there at that testing place there will be no dozen other possible choices for us just one and an alternative (coughs) but our whole future will be conditioned by the choice that we make and there's a little prayer which i think i've put out before father i want to know you but my cowardly heart fears to give up its toys I cannot part with them without inward bleeding, and I do not try to hide from thee the terror of the parting. I come trembling, but I do come. Please root out from my heart all those things which I have cherished for so long, and which have become a very part of my living self, so that thou mayest enter and dwell there without rival. Then shalt thou make the place of thy feet glorious. Then shall my heart have no need of sun to shine in it, for thou wilt be the light of it, and there shall be no night there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So now we're having a bit of testimony time about what uh, God has taught us over this week. And for me personally, listening to Graham about coming into your destiny, I've actually taken a hold of what God has been speaking to me about now for some years Uh, and I recognise that I have been putting it to one side because I couldn't I couldn't cope with it didn't know what people would think if I suddenly started prancing about saying what I felt it said Uh, a bit like Joseph really you know Um, but over the days I have have made a compact with the Lord and said I'm just going to do I'm going to walk now In what I'm going to be, Uh, and um, some little while ago, about a year ago, uh, maybe more. You remember when the Queen Mother died? They had some um, uh, commemorative magazines came out with the photographs of her and her and and her life and how lovely she was. And I said to the Lord, as I'm coming into my um, older years, not going to say declining years because they're not; they're going upwards, not going downwards. I want to be like that. I want to be gracious and queenly. All uh, before I got this other thing, I want to to be like her, and to conduct myself like the her, uh, because she was always so gracious and so lovely. You can see I'm I'm for the monarchy, can't you? Um, because uh, she was just so such a lovely woman, and I and, and uh, known her right through from when her husband died and the children were little, because of my age um and watched her you know and admired her um and so I wanted to be like that uh, so what does he say to me beloved warrior queen I can't see him oh, well you're
2: okay now. Is it? Is that right yeah, is right. that doing I, it I had it, uh, record <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I have written it down just so that I can make sense out of it all. Um, I think what's been a real revelation to me, which might sound a bit strange, is that God wants intimacy with us because that hadn't really commuted with me before in my walk with God, Um, that there was that real longing. Um, And that He wants um, a kind of a bride and bridegroom relationship. Um, which is obviously intimate Um, and there's a battle for that which obviously again I should have worked out because every time I sit down to spend time with the Lord something else happens you know to distract Um, so that's really at home this time um, and that's why there will be a steady flow of battles to get into God's presence and to stay in his presence um, to abide in him and to make him a holy habitation and that I should be prepared for those battles but I'm not going into them alone and that with God's strength you know I I will get to that place and I believe that I will Um, another thing that was a revelation to me was that rest is a weapon and I was thinking that rest was just sitting on a swinging chair outside so I really loved that bit but I I knew obviously that it didn't mean that Um, and that it was being in a place of rest in amongst the trials and tribulations um, and that, that really, that place of being in rest in amongst all of those things really cheeses the enemy off. And more importantly, the devil can't enter into that intimate place with us. It's a place where we have refuge. Um, and then, how do we sustain the presence of God? Well, submit, submitting my life to God every day, capturing every thought and presenting it to the Lord. And I have been able to do that while I'm here. The odd things that pop in from outside, I've just, you know, offered them up (laughs) and they've gone away. Um, Using the Holy Spirit as our guide, being patient, focused, desirous and humble. And I have, over the few months before I came here, been able to ask the Holy Spirit what, why, when, how. And I've never done that before, I've always just gone my own way and thought, oops, that didn't work very well. So now it's more, should I go and do this now? And I've, you know, um, th- that's actually borne some amazing fruit just very recently. Um, another thing I've learnt, which is, um, and I've never known before, and this is from Graham, and it's, all his talks are really meaty, so I've had to kind of hold on really tight to all the words that he said, is... Um, Living in the present future, which is living in the moment, living in the time. Um, uh, Yeah, so if we can do this um, in God's strength, then our walk with God will be accelerated. And the present future bit is obviously meaning that we're supposed to live in the here and now in, in light of the person that God's planned us that god has planned for us to be or destined us to be and then i wrote a little bit there about how we do that because i try to make things practical for my sense because for myself so because i feel that i've i've had lots of lovely food here and the heaviest food has been a spiritual food i'm having to think to myself how do i go back now and apply it so it doesn't just disappear so i've bullet pointed stuff i try to break it down, I've tried to make it simple for myself, so in my little journal I've got what happens next, and I've done three points, and I was telling Lola about it last night, there's so much stuff, I had to, you know, make it simple, so I've done three points, what do do I do next, so I've done three points, and the thing that's happened to me is that I feel that I've had open heart surgery here, so, yeah, I'm post-operative and needing lots of sleep,
1: (laughs) yeah.
3: Okay. um, I really can't tell you what's happened this week without actually telling you a little bit about where I've been. And for as long as I can remember really, there's been a battle for my will, a battle for total surrender. And I've lived most of my Christian life um, impartial Surrender to the Lord, really wanting desperately to go on with Him, but fear has always been a blockage for total surrender because I've always had to fight if I give Him my all, will He be there for me? You know, will He really, really be there for me? And just prior, you know, several months to prior coming up here. God had sort of been forming a desire in my heart, so there was a desire actually already taking place that had come out of a, a, a long time of, of crying out and crying out and crying out to Him to for Him to bring my will into alignment with His, because that was the that was the cry of my heart and. Over this time here I know that's happened and it wasn't like a a premeditated thing or I didn't even know that I was going to do it, but it was just suddenly God took me through from one place into another. So, and there have been times before in my life where I've I've just said words, you know, Yes, Lord, I surrender my, my will, but I didn't want it to be like that, you know, I didn't want to just speak the words or it had to be, it had to be something deeper um, within and I, I honestly believe with all my heart that I have given and that the Lord has surrend- has taken, you know, taken my will through the things that we've heard and through the things that have been, um, talk uh, here today um yeah but he's he's just completed that process and I just I really want to say that it's just grace it's just continual grace upon grace upon grace that he places the desires in our heart to come into that place of alignment and surrender with him and really just thank him that it's this time and the right time and um, I'm looking forward to what is coming next (laughs) praise God amen so that that was the answer that was the thing that I wrestled with that was the thing that I ran from and but it was interesting in the running when we did the running I saw in my spirit myself not running away but Running too, because I would come face to face with that which I was wrestling with, and so so the rest is now I know that that the father has me, and he can take me in whichever direction he wants me to go, so
1: mm-hmm.
3: all praise and glory to him <laughs> okay, I think go-
1: yeah
4: just literally every morning since um a few days ago, I've just woken up and just given myself to mm. God and just asked him, you know everything, really, what I should do and how I should do it. and yeah, and that's been the main thing, really. just every little thing should I be doing this, show me which what to do, mm. show me how to do it. and yeah, and taking that out of here as well, obviously. That's that's a yeah, just the rule of life that he gave me was um, declutter, refill and don't recycle. And that's just really personal for me with, you know, stuff that's going on at the mm. moment, just with my thoughts and, and I've literally, every time I've even been speaking to someone and felt a little bit of a, Ugh, in, you know, inside, I've just straight away just said, just got rid of it. and. Been refilled with the right stuff and then not recycled it and thought it over again that's and cool. again. So that really has, that's something I know I'm going to cling to. Mm. And um, yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you, God. Anonymous. <laughs> <on> <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. yeah. Thank you all for bearing with me in love this week, as Paul says, and being such beautiful grace growers. <laughs> <laughs> so more, more <laughs> and uh, I wanted to say that folk often comment on my, shall we call them, energy levels. I've written it down because I could never remember on that. On my energy levels. And I felt I had to say that if, and we do, profess to live a life in the supernatural, This has to and must be manifested in our lives at the level and in the situation and place where God has placed us. So I can only give God the credit and the glory for all of that because I know it is supernatural. So I just say that that's the case. And I want to thank God for showing me areas in my life where he's going deeper. Uh, To thank him that he he has shown me the big gap between retrospective revelation and present truth and where that needs to be uh, radically amended really. And that my wrestling seems to be centered around two people in the ring, if you can picture a boxing ring, myself and myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, I'm working on that one. <laughs> I like it. Dying quietly is still a dream. Dying quietly is <laughs> more. Still, still a dream.
0: A dream. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and I'm,
0: Nobody wants to hear you scream.
5: That's right. And I'm slowly recognising the, this is more serious, imperative nature, the preparation for a strong position on the battlefield. And the necessity of knowing and using God's word appropriately as my first nature, not my second nature. Mm. And to know, to really know that in every circumstance of my life that God is good, that his hand is on me for my good and not for my harm, and that I will truly testify of his goodness to me. Not my testimony as it were, but truly testify of his goodness to me, and not how I struggle luggle 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 luggle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's very serious, really. <laughs> it is and as L said, that the concept of rest, as God sees it, is not uh, still to do with lying down or being asleep.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
5: and it is coming, thank you, Father. And uh, I've just remembered. I mustn't say. I must say, L had L had three words of interpretation after that tongue. That came earlier this week and it was stuck, bondages and release. So I trust that this will be our portion as we close this time together, the release that is. Mm. But recognising where we were stuck mm. and where we were in bondage but how we will be in release. Amen.
6: Amen. 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 Stop me at any time and ask me a question to try and make it more clear Then feel free. Anyway. Um, The Lord showed me three things, um, and the very first thing He had to reveal to me is that I was in fear of being controlled, okay, so that actually stopped a lot of um, uh, His working in my life actually, really, Um, because if I'm to be led totally by His Spirit and give over complete control to His Spirit, I wasn't doing it because I was afraid of being controlled, uh because i was afraid i'd be made to do things i didn't want to that wouldn't be helpful to me that would put me into scary places all of which is actually true but you know because god does things like that to you Mm -hmm. but not to your detriment whereas for me it was fear of being controlled to my detriment so uh you know i have to sort of say praise I mean, I don't know how he did it, but it's kind of that fear has just dropped away. (coughs) You know, what happens in months Mm -hmm. has taken a day or two, actually. I sort of, you know, Mm. spent time with him over it, and it's just gone, you know. I just Mm. know he's my safe place. So, the second thing he had to show me was uh, another big thing, is that I still defend myself. And the the main person that he's dealing with in my life, and also the person I have to let, or the thing I have to let go of, is Paul still, um, because I'm still hanging on, still defending myself against him, still trying to make him see, still trying to whatever. And then the other thing is, he he showed me recent. uh, Well, I'm going to say recent because it feels like we've been here for about a month actually. So (laughs) (laughs) this was the very last thing he showed me um, this morning actually, is that I still try to help and fix, like help people and fix things, circumstances for them, um, and it isn't always him who's asking me to do it, and when I try to fix and help in my strength and my way, um, it actually isn't very helpful and can actually be quite destructive without me realising it. I really had no idea, um, and he's not saying I, you know, I mean I used to do it really a lot at one time but um and it is in in a big part to do with my two daughters. Um, you know, the helping and the fixing and the circumstances and all of that. And he said, you know, you've gotta hand this over to me because I am the helper and the fixer. You know, and if you do it my way and in you know, in my strength, then I don't know if I'll read the words he said then it will be uh, where are we? uh right okay yeah right so only my way and my strength will bring about the outcome that is right helpful encouraging and building yeah so that 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 was uh yeah that was quite a big thing and uh, that's something that he's only just shown me this morning so it's something I'm going to be working through with him. Uh, and the letting go, obviously, is uh, letting go completely of Paul. Um, I have seen him as an enemy even though I love him, but what God has shown me is it's still Eros love, it's not Agape a love. And uh, so that's something that we're going to be processing and working through. I've said I'm willing, and I have repented of still tr- attacking Paul when I felt like it, and still, you know, trying to justify myself and because uh, my rules of life, well, my rule of life, I I did get back together with him this morning and he narrowed it down a bit, um, is no defending or justifying. He is my defender and vindicator and I looked up vindicator and it's he who clears me of blame or suspicion. So, you know, and um, yeah. And the other thing was uh, humility, honesty and integrity.
0: Oh, my three.
5: Oh,
0: almost, yes. Almost, yeah,
6: well, but there was humility. And
5: integrity and transparency. Yeah. yeah.
6: Um, the transparency, he's, he's told me years ago, I'm going to be like a book. People can turn the page and look at me anyway. So yeah. the transparency is, is a rule of life. Yeah. Um, but it's not what, you know, he's yeah. been working on that a long time. Um, these are the ones he's really trying to get me to... Um, you know, and and I put in brackets everything in the light as Lola was saying oh, earlier. But, hand, them. <clears throat> right humility, honesty, and integrity. <clears throat> no defending or justifying. He is my defender and vindicator, who clears me of blame or suspicion. <clears throat> and um, a question was asked of what would it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit. So I thought, okay, what would it Look like to really truly be led by the Holy Spirit. So I, was, I wrote peace, excitement, truth, all good so far, mm-hmm. difficult, loving, I like that one, challenging, uncomfortable. So you know it looks like a lot of things. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, and as for what Father wants to be Lord over next and what He wants next from me, it is my time. My time has got to be completely submitted to him. If he says I can watch TV for half an hour, then I can go and do that. But if if he doesn't, if I want to, yes. But if I probably, well, anyway, we won't go there yet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But my time has to be completely submitted to him. And the reason for that, which kind of surprised me when I said to him, what sort of a warrior am I? And he said, I'm an SAS warrior of the elite. But, And I'm going to speak it out, and I'm not being arrogant or anything. It's what he's told me, so I kind of shrink down here.
0: Stand up and say. No. He (laughs) says, I'm being
6: trained to become a leader and teach other warriors to be in the SAS elite group.
0: Well, yes. Yes, but. Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. You'll be like an exorcist, one of those things that go. Down, that heat-seeking okay. missile down the street, turn right, and oh, through the letterbox. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, you, you, you'll be that because if you stay under, that's what I am.
5: Uh,
0: they go in, do the job, come out. And nobody knows. Uh, well, I that's didn't, what I meant about obscurity.
6: Yeah, but that's what I, I you know, because when he said SAS this morning, yeah. I said, well, they're that's pretty highly show. trained. So you better I
0: believe it. <laughs> Boot camp.
6: And so, yeah, so uh, what needs to be developed in my character to get there? Discipline. Discipline in capital letters. And Submit then, everything and to and the then Lord. Discipline again, absolutely. Yeah. Don't assume you can do anything unless the Lord says so. Keep killing off your flesh or soul, and soul, stroke soul, whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's very helpful. Yeah, so, um, I mean, there are other bits, but I think that's really the relevant bits. Um, I mean, there's a lot here. I mean, do I understand the words I use? I do, actually, but I've put, and I believe the Lord is saying, but there's always room for improvement. (laughs) And believe what I profess, yes, but still more to be revealed and profess and higher levels to go. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm willing. That's all I can say. By his grace. Amen
0: good if you turn it on. (laughs) Just to finish, I feel the Lord would have me put this on so that those listening know what I'm talking about. This is a prayer that people were handed out as they came into the residential school. And it's a bit of a commitment, really. And part of it says this. Um, Now I'll read it all for you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to learn more about your goodness and greatness. We thank you and bless you because you are the mighty warrior, you see. I'm already getting into warrior. Mm. I suddenly realized, halfway through the week, that I've given you a warrior (laughs) Mm. You are our true model for what a warrior looks like. Mm. So, Father, on a personal level, I ask for a spirit of revelation to speak to me and to prepare me now for what you want to show and teach Mm. me. Holy Spirit, I, Beryl, ask that you would go before me now and make a way for my heart to be ready and prepared. Show me the things I'll need to let go of, so I can take hold and step into the new position you have for me. Prophetic prayer or what? Mm. Father, I thank you ahead of time that this year will bring forth a clearer picture of my identity in you, that I will walk forward into a new love relationship with you, that you will stir my heart with such love, compassion and tenderness that it will burn and bring forth a new desire within me that cannot be contained. A desire to fight a warrior's fight in a new way for this new season of life that stands before me. That is present future. Then it goes into the corporate. Father as a company we declare this is our honour our privilege and our right as sons of the living God. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we say yes and our men to the way of the warrior and what you have for us. We choose to be trained as warriors and take back what is our inheritance given by our heavenly father and bought through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our families, our children, our land and our nation are all a part of his inheritance. Therefore, we proclaim to the enemy that no weapon fashioned against us can prosper. I proclaim we will rise up and become warriors. I proclaim we will take territory in the spirit. We will become strong and serve the Lord with power. And at that point in my prayer upstairs, I name certain specific people. And some of them are here. And you haven't known that for weeks I've been declaring warrior status over you. Father, we ask you to release a spirit of breakthrough over us so that your warriors and champions will arise Come forth and be fully empowered in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.